0: Hey, thanks for joining us on the No Limits Church Podcast. Here at No Limits, we are dedicated to helping you live your best life. And it's a journey that we call Pursuing Limitless Life in Jesus. And we're doing it all for one reason, so that our lives can impact the world. So wherever you're listening from, we pray that you are encouraged and empowered by this week's message. But the series is called It's Time. It's designed to get us moving because most of us know what we should be doing, but we're not doing it. Anybody else but me? So throughout this series, I've been doing my best to give you a polite little nudges to get you moving along the journey of uh, the life God has for you. But because as a pastor, you guys, I want nothing more than to see you thriving in life. Like That's, that's my goal. I want to see you thriving. And the only way you're going to live your best life is if you change direction. Because some of you are stuck because you've been following your own way instead of following what the Word of God tells you to do. And check out this quote. Stephen Covey, he says, if we keep doing what we're doing, we're going to keep getting what we're getting. Have you all noticed that it only takes just like a little bit of winter weather to get the lovely people of Oklahoma stuck in the center of the median of the highway? Like this happened just like a week and a half ago, right? You didn't even know there was winter weather out there, but people were in the median. That's how it goes in Oklahoma. And that's where some of y'all have been hanging out. You're like stuck in the median in the mud. You're watching some people headed to their best life and some people headed to their not so best life but you just sitting there watching. So through this series, what I'm doing is I'm taking a winch, I'm hooking it to your front bumper, I'm saying, come on, let's go, let's get this moving. But let's take a look at another, at the theme verse for this series, take a look at it again, Matthew 3, 2, it says, repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. So the word repent simply means change direction, slam on the brakes, turn the car around and hit the gas in the other direction, and my hope is that this series inspires you to change direction and start moving towards the life that God has for you. Notice this verse, this verse also says the kingdom of heaven is near. I love that. You thought it was far away, but as soon as you change direction, it's right there. It's right there. Like maybe you've been headed in the wrong direction for years, so you feel like you got some catching up to do? Well, that's not how it works. Doesn't matter how long you've been headed the wrong direction. You turn around and kingdom of heaven is right there. It's near. Some of y'all needed to hear that. They're going to set you free. You're going to make it. You are. And even though you've been moving away from God, like I said, like, you just turn around. Just turn around. Say, hey, God, I'm going to live for you. And I've titled, today, I've titled today's message God Time because it's time for more of God in our lives. So what does that mean? Well, you're here today at church, so you're giving God your Sunday morning. That's awesome. But let me ask you a question. Have you allowed God into every area of your life? We all start our walk with God by like giving him bits and pieces of our lives. Like It starts off like, we'll give you Sunday morning, and then maybe it progresses to, I'm going to read the verse of the day every day, and then maybe you start praying throughout the week. But then there's those areas of your life, life that you keep hidden from God. I'm not going to show him that. Or maybe you don't want to give it up. Like Maybe you just don't want to give it up. Or maybe it just seems like too much, or maybe it feels like it's holding you. But the truth is, God can't do his best work in your lives until you give him him access into every area of your life. I'm not saying that you have to live perfectly, but I am saying that you have to be honest with God about everything. How can he help you if you hide from him? How can he do a supernatural work of deliverance in your life if you're not willing to bring him those things in the first place? And here's how C.S. Lewis explains this. Human history is the long, terrible story of man trying to find something other than God which will make him happy. I don't know about you guys, but I've wasted a lot of time trying to find fulfillment in things other than God. And it never worked. And I can remember times when I would just keep on trying as if it was going to work at some point. So some of y'all have allowed just enough God into your life to to keep you out of hell whenever this life is over. You, You bought some fire insurance. Right? Keep yourself from burning. So you give him that part of your life that keeps you from hell, but you ain't giving him the rest of it. And my hope is that today's gonna to convince you to give God everything. Because when you take the limits off of what God can do in your life, that's when everything kind of opens up. You get to experience him, you get to experience freedom and joy. It's it's beautiful. All right, let's take a look at this scripture. Romans 13 11 says, But make sure that you don't get so absorbed and exhausted in taking care of all your day to day obligations that you lose track. Of the time and doze off, oblivious to God. Oh, buddy, I've been here. Like we're talking about those times where you show up to church Sunday and you be you're so busy throughout the week that you show up to church the next Sunday. You're like, oh my gosh, I haven't even thought about God since last Sunday. Like we've all done that. Well, here's God's friendly nudge to all of us. Beep beep, the night is about over. Dawn is about to break. Be up and awake to what God is doing. So today, I just want to serve as your wake up alarm. Beep, 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 beep. God's at work, and it's time to get moving, right? Because God is putting the finishing touches on the salvation work he began when we first believed. So when you receive the, the gift of salvation, like that was just the beginning. Yeah, you're going to heaven, but now God wants to do an amazing work on your life while you're still here on earth. He's still got some work to do. So we can't afford to waste a minute. We must not squander these precious daylight hours in frivolity and in indulgence and in sleeping around and dissipation and bickering and grabbing at everything in sight. Uh-oh, some of y'all are worried I'm gonna hang out here for a minute. But but I'm not, I'm not gonna like point out the stuff that you're doing wrong. Instead, I want to give you the solution. Very next verse. Get out of bed and get dressed. Don't loiter and linger, waiting until the very last minute. Dress yourselves in Christ be up and about. Ooh, I'm putting on my joy this morning, right? I'm putting on patience and kindness. I'm going to walk around today knowing that no matter what happens, God's going to work it out for my good. Amen. He's going to take everything that bad that happens and turn it for my good. That's just how he is. Now, I told you guys at the beginning of this year that the Holy Spirit gave us one word that's going to describe our gear as a church for 2020, and here it is. You might remember this, wholeness. He's going to take the pieces of our lives and bring them together in the most beautiful way. We're going to experience wholeness in our emotions. We're going to experience wholeness in our relationships, in our marriages, in our jobs, in our businesses, and as a church. God's going to take each one of our individual gifts as a church and bring them together into the most beautiful thing that you've ever saw. And this is something the Holy Spirit spoke to me before the year started, so I was excited last week whenever I found a scripture that actually supports this thing that he gave me. Because let me tell you, anytime the Holy Spirit talks to you, there's going to be confirmation in the Word of God. That's how it works. Take a look at this. This is really cool. Ephesians 4.16, he makes the whole body. And here the body is actually referring to the church. So we could replace that word with church. So he makes the whole church fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole church is healthy and growing and full of love. Oh, that's so good. And this gets me excited because as each member of our church, as each one of us does our own special work, we're going to help each other grow. And that's awesome. And the result of of this is a church that's healthy, growing, and full of love. So go ahead and say that. Healthy, growing, full of love. That's us. That's us from this year forward. And the word of the year is wholeness. But for this to happen in your life, you have to open up your life and let God into every area. Because you can't keep things hidden from them, because that's not wholeness. Nope. We're talking about those things in your life that maybe you don't want God to restore. Maybe you want to hold on to it. Well, beep, beep, change direction. God wants to do a work of wholeness in every area of your life. I can promise you that. Now, I've told you all this before, but in my early 20s, I was really an opinionated little punk. And I thought my job in life was to tell everybody how to fix everything. So that's what I did. I went around and told everybody what I thought was wrong. And some of y'all know some people that are like that. Or maybe it's you. Uh Uh-oh. Well, I'm not going to try to convince you not to be that way because it wouldn't work because you think that you're right. But I had a wake-up call a few years back thanks to my dad. And now I live with the philosophy that you should only share your opinion whenever people ask for it. And you know what? I I rarely get to share my opinion now. (laughs) Turns out people didn't want to know. But this week I got to thinking, what, what would my message look like if I removed that filter and, and just let the church know exactly what I was thinking? Of course, I would never want to bring that message to you because you'd never come back. So today, I'm, not, I'm just going to show you what that would look like. And you can't get mad at me because I'm, I'm not really going to do it. I'm just going to show you what it would look like. Everybody good with that? <laughs> I'm really just trying to give you a good laugh before everything gets serious. But honestly, I never hold back from in my messages up here, because I believe that if I come up here with a standpoint of love and I'm delivering these things because I love you, not because I'm frustrated with you, then God's always going to do a mighty work through whatever said, even if it's hard to hear. So now that your guard's down, let me give you four areas of your life to give to God. Some of these might hurt a little bit, but I'm bringing them to you because I love you and they're going to help you. And if you have those message notes, here's where you can start filling those out. Here's the first one. It's time to eliminate hurry. When you ask somebody how they're doing, have you noticed that most people say "doing good," "just busy"? We live in a culture that values busyness, and you know what? Or you know, you know how I know because like we get frustrated with people who aren't in a hurry. Anybody? We uh, we always look for the shortest line, whether that be in the grocery store, like at the stoplight, or or whatever. We get mad when somebody actually goes the speed limit. How dare them! We value value productivity over people. And I'm reading a book right now called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And there's a passage in the book that kind of slapped me, and then it slapped me the other direction, so I thought you guys would enjoy it too. So I'm going to read it to you. Today, you're far more likely to run into the enemy in the form of an alert on your phone while you're reading your Bible, or a multi-day Netflix binge, or a full-on dopamine addiction to Instagram. There's the first slap. Here comes some more. I'll give you the other one too. Or a Saturday morning at the office or another soccer game on a Sunday or commitment after commitment after commitment in a life of speed. I know we might have to end the message right now because we're all so wounded, right? And when I read that, I was like, wow, that's, that's real. (laughs) And then he, and then he shares this quote in the very next verse, hurry is not of the devil. Hurry is the devil. Man, this is serious. Like, it got my attention. How, how did I miss this? Like, I always thought that hurry was a good thing. The more I hurry, the more I can get done. The more I can get done for the kingdom of God, right? And the more people praise you because you accomplished a lot. So it feels good to hurry. But if our lives are supposed to look like Jesus, hurry doesn't fit. Like, I don't remember one time that Jesus was in a hurry. Like, remember the story of Lazarus? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lazarus was like one of Jesus' best friends. He gets a message that his best friend is dying, like on the brink of death. And Jesus is like, eh, you know, I'm going to stay here for a couple more days. The one who could heal him is just going to sit still. And then by the time he got to Lazarus, he had been dead for four days. Yeah, he was stinking. name <laughs> really He said his name really slow. <laughs> Of course, Jesus, Jesus did raise Lazarus from the dead, but can you imagine what Lazarus's family was thinking about all this? They were probably a little upset that Jesus didn't rush to come save the day. And here's another quote from that book. Hurry and love are incompatible, which really explains why Jesus did that. They don't go together. It's like oil and water, trying to mix them together. You can't do it. When you're in a hurry, do you stop and help people? You don't. I don't know about you, but my worst moments as a husband as a dad, as a pastor, or when I'm in a hurry. Why do you think that the first description of love in the Bible is love is patient? Because love takes time. And if we want to live the life that God has for us, we've got to eliminate hurry. Let me break it down in a practical way. This means that you're going to have to take control of your schedule. No more extra hours at the office. you got to put a limit on how many sports and activities your kids can be a part of. you got to put boundaries around your Sunday so it can be dedicated to God and to rest. You can't be gentle with this stuff. Like, you just got to do it. If you want to eliminate hurry, you're going to have to be ruthless. Trim down your schedule to only the things that matter as if your life depends on it. Because your best life, it does depend on you not being in a hurry. And get this, people aren't going to like it. Like your kids' coaches, they're going to be so mad at you when you tell them you can't show up to that game on Sunday because you put boundaries around your Sunday, they're going to be mad. But this isn't their life. It's your life. And you get to make decisions about what you do with your time. You do. And look at this. Ecclesiastes 4, six says, Better to have one handful with quietness than two handfuls with hard work and chasing the wind. How do you know if you need to eliminate hurry in your life? Well, let me ask you some questions. How much quietness is in your life? Uncomfortable, huh? Quietness. How much peace is in your life? Are you chasing after something other than God? Well, this is what the Lord says. Stop at the crossroads and look around. Ask for the old godly way and walk in it. Travel its path and you will find rest for your souls. Notice it doesn't say run in it. It says walk in it. Some of you believe that living your life for God is some kind of race. And if you don't move fast enough, you're going to miss out on the things that God has for you. Running is not God's pace. Walking is God's pace. Look throughout the Bible. He says, walk with me. Walk with me. He's not interested in hurry. Actually, God wants hurry out of your life. It's got to go. So eliminate the things that don't really matter. Don't prioritize your schedule. Schedule your priorities. And then if there's not room for the other stuff, then don't put it in your schedule. All right, here's the next one. It's time to filter what I allow to enter my mind and my body. So if you and I sat down and you asked me, like, Kate, how do I live my best life? I'd probably start by asking you a few questions. What are you listening to? What movies are you watching? What are you clicking on? It'd be a real comfortable conversation, wouldn't it? I'd ask you how much alcohol you drink and if you're self-medicating with some kind of medication prescribed or not. Maybe it was prescribed at one time, and then it's not anymore, but you're still taking it. And I wouldn't get on to you for any of this stuff, because that's not going to do any good. But I would let you know that you're not alone. You're not the only Christian struggling with pornography, or opioid addiction, or too much alcohol. You're not the only one. But I'd also tell you it's time. It's time to start letting God heal those areas of your life, because he wants to. No longer do you need to hide from God, because God, he's not scared of those things. I'm not scared of them either, because I know they can be healed. I also know that we're all in different places in our walk with God. And just because someone's getting healed from pornography while somebody else is over here getting healed from drinking too much coffee, like not one thing is worse than the other. Not one's in a worse spot than the other. I'm on my path with God. You're on your path with God, so own your path and be okay with that. Don't feel bad because someone else seems further along with you. Just own it. So we just talked about eliminating hurry and walking with God, but there is a place in the Bible where it does tell you to run. You ready? Yeah. Second Timothy 2.22 says, run from anything that stimulates youthful lusts. Instead, pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love, and peace. So when you read about running in the Bible, it's almost always connected to running from sin. So that's the time when you run. If you're going to run, run away from the things that don't connect with God. I'm, not, I'm talking about those obvious things, and I'm also talking about the not-so-obvious things, like all that junk on Netflix. I don't know about you guys, but I, I have a really hard time finding something that's worth watching on Netflix. It's y- yucky stuff on there. <laughs> <laughs> there is some good stuff on there, but it's far and few between. But I challenge you to strip everything of your life that's non-God for, like, one week. Like, this is just a challenge for you, a test, to see if it works. For one week, turn off the TV, only listen to worship music, set your video games aside, and watch what happens. Just, just out of curiosity, just see what happens. And if you've done this before, you know what happens because your life gets better. It's almost like the sun's shining brighter. Well, that, that's interesting. It's almost, it, you have like a greater sense of purpose when you get all of that junk off of you. I dare you to try it. You think I'm crazy, but just try it. And if it doesn't work, come back and tell me all about it next week. I'd love to hear that. But here's the struggle that might be going on in your mind. But I've heard, I've heard this thing, that I'm allowed to do anything but not everything's good for you, but I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything's beneficial. So listen to me. God doesn't love you any less if you decide not to filter what goes into your mind and your body. And he doesn't love you any more if you decide to filter what goes into your mind and body. But one thing's for sure, even though you're allowed to do anything, doesn't mean that it's good for you. And if you want God's best for your life, you're going to have to install that filter to keep the non-beneficial things out. And it's going to be a continual journey. And the Holy Spirit will walk with you in that. It's a beautiful thing. So if I could promise you that you could have significantly more joy in your life if you would just stop watching those non-godly TV shows, would you do it? Well, I can promise you that you'll have significantly more joy in your life if you stop watching that stuff. We could hang out here for a while, but let's move on to the next one. It's time to organize my finances around give, save, live. You're like, okay, Kate, go ahead and go on to the next one, because I don't like that one either. (laughs) But a lot of our financial struggles come from the fact that we have them out of order. Put them in order and see what happens. Let me clear the air. I don't bring this up because our church is struggling financially. We're not struggling. Last year, we operated this church on 72% of our income. Super cool. We don't have any debt as a church. And last year, we gave $40,000 to outreach and missions. I'd call that we're in a good place, and that's awesome. But I'm telling you this because I want you to win financially. I want you to win financially. I want you to get to a place where finances are no longer a struggle. But you'll never get there if you don't follow God's principles for money. God's way is to give first, then save, and then live. Any other order just doesn't work. And I've heard people say that they're waiting to give until they have a surplus. And I get that. It makes mathematical sense, doesn't it? But it doesn't work. And you know why? Because as soon as you make more, you're going to bring on some more expenses, and you still ain't going to have a surplus. And you're going to keep putting it off and putting it off and putting it off. and You're not going to make any progress. But as soon as you reorder those finances and you give first, supernatural things start to happen in your finances. And it sounds crazy, but it works. And the reason it works is because God put it in place. He set it in motion. And there's a supernatural thing that happens. Yeah, it doesn't make mathematical sense. And yeah, you're like, how, how, what if I give this and I can't pay my bills? And then somehow supernaturally, you're still taken care of. It's a supernatural thing. Guys, if all we believed for was the natural, we would live a pretty lame life. This is a supernatural principle, and it works. Proverbs 3.9 says, Honor God with everything you own. Give him the first and the best. Your barns will burst, and your wine vats will rim over. So there it is, clear as day. Give God, not the leftovers, but give him the first and the best. And what's the result? Overflow. We're talking so much provision that you got to get with God to figure out what to do with it. You guys know I'm passionate about this. And the reason I'm passionate about it is because I've given the first 10% of my income for the last 15 years of my life, and it's always worked for me. It's why I'm at where I'm at today, and I want the same thing for you. I envision a church where no one is struggling financially because we've all stepped out in faith and we've believed this principle. That's what I envision for this church. And as a result, we're going to experience an overflow that allows us to do incredible things for the kingdom of God because we're going to bring all that together. How much more peace would be in your life if money was no longer a struggle? It'd be awesome. And it was just simply a tool to make a difference in the lives of others because you're taken care of over here because you got an overflow. So now money to you is just this tool to use to make a difference in the lives of others. Well, that's how it's supposed to be. All right, here's the last one. It's time to live my life intentionally. Most people think that life happens to them. And because of this, a majority of people just kind of sit around and try to weather The storms of life. But let me challenge you to rethink this. Your circumstances do not determine where you are. Your disciplines determine where you are. We're not products of our circumstances. We're products of our disciplines. So you have more control over your life than you thought you did. Sure, circumstances are going to happen. It's going to happen to all of us. The storms of life are going to try to overtake you. But how you respond to those circumstances has everything to do with the disciplines that you've already set in place and the ones you've already been living. So are you intentional about spending time with God in God's word? Because if you are, when the storms of life hit, you're going to respond with faith instead of defeat. Are you intentional about spending time with God's people? Because if you are, when the storms of life hit, you're going to have somebody to talk to that's going to lead you in the right direction instead of sitting there and gossiping with you and telling you how bad your situation is and, and making it even worse. Proverbs 24 says that sluggers do not plow in season, so at harvest time, they look, they don't find anything. Farmers know that when they plow the ground, like even though they don't see anything coming up yet, their discipline is going to produce growth in the future. They plow not for immediate results, but they plow so they're ready for what's to come. So some of us Don't have spiritual discipline. So the only time that we think to pray or read God's word is whenever those storms of life hit and our life gets in a mess, and then we get upset because we don't see an immediate result for whenever we pray to God for the first time in three months just because something went wrong in our lives. It sounds silly whenever you say it, doesn't it? But just like the scripture says, you're going to find yourself hungry in need of a harvest, but you're going to look around and you're not going to be able to find anything because you didn't have those disciplines in place leading up to the harvest, right? That's why every day I pray. That's why every day I read God's Word, and that's why every day I do my best to love those around me. I don't always win at that, but I do my best. And every day I look for an opportunity to be generous. And can I be honest? Like, I don't always feel like my prayers did something. Sometimes, like, I don't always get a revelation from God's Word every time that I read it. Sometimes I walk away from my time with God and be like, well, I hope that that worked, because it sure didn't feel like it. But you know what? I'm still going to get up and plow tomorrow. Because I know that every preparation and every seed planted is going to produce a beautiful harvest. It may be two years later, maybe 10 years later, but it's going to work. And don't get overwhelmed by this. Like, you don't have to do these things all day. You're like, oh, crap, I got to read the, the Bible all day now. I got to pray all day. Nope. Don't do them all day. Do them every day. When you wake up, just spend one minute in prayer to God. Hey, God, I'm thankful to be alive. Thankful for what you're going to do in my life today. Be with me. I need you. And then take one minute to read the verse of the day and think about it for a second. And then look at work, look for an opportunity every day to be a blessing in somebody else's life. Maybe I just need to say something encouraging to them or or bring them something to eat or something like that. And we could really sum up everything we talked about today into one verse. Psalm ninety twelve says, Teach us to number our days and recognize how few they are. Help us to spend them as we should. And none of these things that we talked about can happen unless we have three things in place. And we all can apply these things to our lives. And here's the first one. I must know my purpose. If there's no purpose for your life, why would you even try? Why would you even try this stuff? You have to know your why, or you won't know your way. I say this almost every week, and I'm going to keep saying it. You have purpose. God put you here for a reason. You're here on purpose, for a purpose. And it's amazing. Just like Psalms 139.16 says, You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. God has an assignment for you that only you can do. And you may have a hard time believing or even accepting it, but that doesn't make it any less true. Step out in faith and believe that God created you because he wanted you. He wants you to be here, and he needs you to be here. So he laid out eternity, and then like he picked this place for, for each of us. I need Cade right here. I need Beth. I need Candace right here. I need Amy right here at this time in this place. For, I have a specific assignment For Dylan, right here. And here's the second thing you'll need. I must have a plan. Like you need to go home and rewrite your schedule today. Or you need to go home and cancel Netflix today, if that's your thing. And I'm not picking on either one of those. These are just examples of what it looks like to have a plan. Because Proverbs 17.24 says, An intelligent person aims at wise action, but a fool starts off in many directions. And this is such beautiful advice because there's so much power in focusing on the right thing. We all have one thing in our lives right now that if we changed it, it would make the biggest difference. And we're actually going to take some time in prayer to let the Holy Spirit minister us on what that is here at the end. Like maybe it's your schedule or maybe it's like ridding yourself of that addiction, whatever it is, you know, it would change your life. So let's do what the scripture says. Don't try to change everything. Let's focus and aim at wise action. And when you do this, there's something else you're going to need. I must have accountability. If you try to do this alone, you'll fail. I'm sorry, that's not very good news. But you need someone else cheering you on for you to make it. Like you'll go to the gym more if somebody's going to the gym with you. Anybody notice that? You'll drink less alcohol if somebody knew how often you got drunk. Accountability is a powerful thing. And we need to be honest with each other. You don't have to tell everyone, but you should tell someone. You should. Because Ecclesiastes 4.9 says, Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is really in trouble. For some of you in the room today, like, this is your next step. You need to tell someone about that pornography addiction. Or you need to tell somebody about the overeating at night. Or that you're having a hard time managing your money. Or that you're having a hard time managing your time. Whatever it is, you need to tell someone not only to get the weight off your chest, but so that you can have someone in your corner that's cheering you on and helping you find freedom. And if you don't know who to tell, that's what small groups are all about. That's the whole reason we have small groups is so that you can build tight-knit relationships with people you can trust who will help you find freedom. That's what it's all about. And the next semester of small groups kicks off in two weeks, and I'll tell you more about that here in a bit. But maybe like today's been a little bit uncomfortable for you, especially that last one. I'm not telling people my secrets. You know, funny story, Beth and I and Dylan, we went to Transformation Church for their prayer service this past Friday. And you know what they did? They had us all, we're sitting there praying, and some lady gets up there, and she's like, it was, what was the theme? Faithfulness was the theme. So she's like, I want you all to get into small groups and tell each other what you're struggling with and being faithful. I was like, what? I don't know these people. But it was so good. One, of the, one Some lady that I didn't know came over to Beth, me, and Dylan, and, and we talked. <laughs> and it was a good time, but it was kind of weird. I'm not going to lie. But I know this is going to be tough, but it's worth it. If you take wise action on what you've heard today, it's going to produce a harvest of peace and joy and freedom in your life. You won't have to hide anymore. You won't have to carry around that guilt anymore. And for most of you, this is going to be a step of faith. You're having a hard time understanding how bringing your secret out in the open is going to help. But it's going to help, and I love how Martin Luther King Jr. explains it. Faith is taking a step even when you don't see the whole staircase. So now, as Mason uh, turns up some music, I want to take a moment for us all just to quiet our minds, because I believe that the Holy Spirit has that one step for each of us to take as individuals. So when we get quiet, we can hear hear His voice and hear His direction. So let's take a moment to ask Him for that. Holy Spirit, we ask you to reveal to us individually our one step, the thing that we can change that's going to make the biggest difference in our lives. We're listening. Go ahead and keep your eyes closed. Like maybe you're here today and you realize that you've been living your life without God or maybe you've been pretending to live with him, but you realize that you're really not and you're ready to give your life to him. You're ready to make a change today. You want to like put a stake in the ground and say, today's the day that I'm going to start living for God. Like I'm really going to do it now. I'm really going to do it. And I'm not going to call you to the front, but I am going to ask you to take action. If that's you... I want you to just raise your hand boldly. Right now on the count of three, one, two, three, raise your hand and say, that's me. I want to make God the leader of my life. We're going to pray together. And when you pray, the power of Jesus is going to make you new. You don't have to worry about everything you've done wrong because it's going to disappear. God's going to see you through the eyes of Jesus, which is through the eyes of love. He's going to see you perfect. He's going to see you clean. Because of Jesus, God will bring you into his family and give you new life. He'll give you eternal life. You can spend eternity with him. So let's all pray this together. Jesus, I want you to lead my life. Forgive me for trying to live life without you. I want you to come in and make me new. And I thank you for adopting me as your own. Help me to find and walk out your plan for my life. Jesus, we come to you so grateful for what you did for us, that you made us clean, that you brought us your righteousness, and that you gave us us all these amazing gifts. Most of all, you restored that relationship with our Father God. And now we can come boldly to the throne, and we can live our lives with courage, and we can live our lives with purpose, knowing that there's nothing holding us back. Reveal that to us. Give us a deeper revelation of your love. We love you, we praise you, and we thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now go ahead and get in, in groups of three and, and share your seat. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to do that to you. <laughs> ah! <laughs> not today, Kate. I was going to do that later. All right. Well, if you came prepared to give today, here's how you do it. If you're given by cash or check, just raise your hand and one of our ushers will bring you an offering envelope. If you're given with a debit or credit card, you can use the instructions on the screen behind me, or if you're listening online, head to your browser and type in no limits, FYI, into the address bar and then tap the giving button. All right, let's pray over our offering. God, we thank you that you're using this church in a mighty way and that you're, you're using our giving to make an impact in the Philippines, in Mexico, in the prison ministry, at the Pregnancy Resource Center. And God, you're making an impact right here in this church too, in our kids' ministry. Man, you're doing so many great things with, this, with, this, with these finances that we give to you. So we ask that you multiply it and that you send it out with purpose. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us. And a special thanks to those that give into our ministry. It's because of your generous giving that we're able to lead people to Jesus and make a difference all around the world. If you're ready to give, head to your browser and type nolimits.fyi into the address bar. And hey, if you were encouraged by this podcast, hit that share button and pass it on so that others can be encouraged as well. Or you can even take a screenshot and share it on your social stories. Thanks again for listening and God bless you.